everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, the podcast where we look at all different types of endurance and other crazy athletic activities and try to break down what makes people successful in them. I'm Molly Herford. I write about all things outdoors related for magazines like Bicycling, Outside, and over on my own site, The Outdoor Edit. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist. I work mostly with endurance athletes, but really anyone who wants to move better or differently or with more high performance or less pain. Um, I've been excited to be back at the gym in Collingwood the last week or two, um, working with some more general population, which has been fun. Um, And then a little bit of on-trail bike stuff, although the rain has been crazy in Ontario this year, so we've definitely been dealing with some trail conditions and rainouts and stuff like that, but yeah, we've had a pretty big weekend here as we're in the two and a half weeks till Ironman point right now. I just finished what I am praying is my last long, long weekend. I did a century, a solo century on Saturday, which I think might be my first ever that I, like, I've done by myself anyway. Uh, and then followed that up with a 16 mile run on Sunday and then sat in a feed zone for a couple hours and you know, helped Peter get to second place at the O Cup, so that was always that's always exciting. I'm pretty sure we have a half marathon to run on like Thursday. Yeah, but that's not sixteen miles. I, I can guess. do thirteen. But man, I, I am guess. tired. I am definitely getting getting antsy to get this race done. We've been open water swimming a little bit. Peter's finally getting a little more comfortable in the water and testing out his wetsuit. Yeah, I actually had fun today. I went out uh, just for a quick thousand meters and local bay here and now think about that five months ago if you said just like a casual thousand meters i don't think you could get across the pool more than twice without hanging on the side so no to be able to do that well and to relax right i don't really i don't really stress so much about the distance as much as just being able to find some sort of like groove and relaxation and semi-straight line so mm-hmm. i think i'm pretty close we'll try and get a couple more in before the race and i have notes about your straight line abilities after watching you from the shore for part of your swim oh, today, i was but... doing today i was doing more of a loop i was adding some curves in. okay yeah but actually today's guest can sort of speak to all of that because he is almost Actually, no, he might be crazier than us as far as the, the wild exploits that he's got into as a action adventurer for Esquire Network's docu-series Boundless. Uh, so Paul Treblecock has competed in eight of the most epic endurance races over a five-month period for the sake of the show. Uh, they got through three seasons. Uh, and we actually do talk a bunch about, was it a half Iron Man that he did? I think that was the the one show um, that that I watched as well, uh, was a uh, half Iron Man, but it was like a super hilly, like, jungle one. I can't recall what country it was in, but it was a pretty epic race. Like, there's people falling over on the climbs, and uh, but it was really interesting. I enjoyed talking with him. He's got a lot of cool experiences and crazy stories. Awesome mindset about stuff. And yeah, his his idea actually the one I sort of my big takeaway was he did a lot of triathlon days, sort of in preparation. So not so stressed about you know combining things into bricks or anything like that, but just trying to fit the three sports into a day. And I think as a mindset, I think that's pretty empowering. Like again, even if today I only did a thousand meters, but 
just knowing that you like it's part of the routine right like you just get those three sports in and sometimes you sure chunk them together and sometimes they're out of order and sometimes you know one's really short but yeah i liked we kept trying to get him to like tell us how he trains for specific races but it really all came back to keeping like a pretty decent endurance base and then adding in like just a week or two of extreme specificity i think he called it cramming but yeah i like i like my way of putting it that was a little more pc but anyway enough of our take on it let's let's dive into this episode welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast today we're joined by Paul Treblecock, who is a true consummate athlete, a boundless athlete, you may know him as. From I don't know show... if the second, I don't know if the second time around really covered that joke as well. I know it wasn't oh. quite as good, but <laughs> the internet and you know how it goes. So anyhow, Paul's here today. He's uh, from sort of similar area up here in Canada, but he has been worldwide with his adventures, and we're going to hear about that today. How he survived huge marathons through the desert and rock climbing and a couple. Uh, triathlon type things. We're going to pick his brain on triathlon a little bit. So I'm really excited. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's it's great to be here. Great to great to talk to you guys. I've uh, I've, I've followed the show here, and it seems like a really cool thing. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to happy to share some stories with some fellow Canucks. <laughs> well, yes. I don't know that I count. I'm a Jersey girl, well, so yes. Are you a Jersey girl? Okay, well that's all right. Yeah. We, we accept Jersey is almost Canada. I know, right? It's like. It's like the northern part of the states that's close. It's like it's like uh, Michigan. If you're from Michigan, yeah. you're almost Canadian. Minnesota, you're Canadian Michigan, for sure. I agree with that. But, um, <laughs> so, Paul, maybe just give us. I know your your bio is long. I'd love you to go back to uh, you were a carpenter. Is that right? Yes, I was. I, so I started my. Start I started out things as a carpenter when I was a, a young a young lad of about sixteen, which is many many years ago. Um, yeah, I started out as a carpenter, and I've always basically had a couple jobs in my life. That's why I'm 51 and I've retired, because I've always done, I've had carpentry. When I was a carpenter back then, I used to also work in the restaurant business. So I was, I worked in restaurants. I, um, I moved my way up to restaurants and carpentry at the same time. Um, I also, in my carpentry, not many people probably know this about me, but I, I was on a decorating show in the 90s. What? So I was on a decorate. I did 50 episodes of a decorating show. I was the carpenter on the decorating challenge, which could be similar to um, trading spaces in the U.S. A big, it was oh a really well known show. That's or awesome. changing rooms in Britain. We were the decorating challenge, and I was the carpenter. I worked with the designer. People, they we switched houses, and uh, you got a carpenter and a designer on each side, and we they decorated each other's house. And yeah, so I did 50 episodes of that. That was my start into television. Oh, that's and hilarious. then yeah, so, yeah, we had a there was a downturn in um, in construction in the um, the early uh, late eighties, early nineties. We had a recession, so there wasn't a lot of construction around. So I uh, headed out west to find myself. I read Tony Robbins' book, um, "Awaken the Giant Within," <laughs> which is kind of funny because I'm literally not that kind of a person. But it was it just can't, kind of gave me some ideas. On, uh, I, I turned my life around, so I went out there to start over because I thought things are booming over there. Maybe I could get something. And then I, when I got out there, I saw these bike couriers flying around. I was like, "Oh, this this looks kind of cool." So I thought maybe I should go back home and uh, start up one of those. So I kind of found myself out there and uh, decided I didn't want to start myself out back out in Vancouver. So I brought myself back here and I started a bike courier business back in the in 1990 and uh yeah and i ran that for several years and that that's what kind of 
spurred on my my uh, my adrenaline addiction. Oh my gosh, you're like a consummate human. Forget consummate athlete. Well, I think that was, that was where we, it, sport goes into life. Peter's I mean. pretty jealous about this carpentry thing. He really wishes he was. Do you use it anymore? Like in, in your data, like <laughs> oh, at home, it, it must time. come. I've, in. I've, I've totally renovated my house from top to bottom over a, a lot. Uh, my wife would say too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've I've actually just about finished the uh, final, the final little bits and pieces. But I always say I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a finished carpenter. I don't finish anything. So, but there's, you know, there's always, when I look out the door, I always see boats on my boat rack or I see my bike stand, which reminds me I have my bikes or I, you know, go down to the basement and see the other adventure stuff. So I'm just like, I've always got something else on the go as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's, there's always something else. That's what Peter wanted to but, get but, like a giant fixer upper house. And I was like, you're never going to manage to get all of that done when the weather's good and the bike is right there. I mean, the point well, is, well, you just finish. live with chaos. That's all you get used to living with it. Trust me. My kids lived with it. All, well, my, <laughs> my oldest now is 21 years old and I've been renovating my house for probably 23 years. So my, both my kids have lived with uh, <laughs> stuff going on all the time. So you're running a courier business, and then how do you make a jump from couriers to like adventure racing? Was that the next sort of step? Well, okay, so then I had my first child when I was, uh, I guess I was 30 years old when I had my first child in Rotland, and um, once that started, I thought I better stop risking myself in um, in traffic all day long, every day, and you know, you want more more of a solid, like running your own business isn't the, you know, it's it's good, but I also did a, I, I was also doing two jobs at the same time, so it was taking a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife works, so I figured I could, if I did construction part time, I could take care of my daughter in the morning. My wife would work part half. She would work afternoon. She's a teacher, so she worked two thirds time. So I would take care of my daughter in the morning. I would um, go to work in the afternoon and do renovations. I did I had a contracting business, and um, and my wife would take care of my uh, daughter in the um, in the afternoon. So it were it just it just it kind of we evolved into that, you know. Mm-hmm. So how do you because, go from um, how do you go from that to boundless? Well, then there, yeah. So so I did do I did when I when I gave up the bike career, you kind of I was sick of biking at the time. I'd done a lot of mountain bike racing, mm-hmm. so I was totally sick of the mountain bike biking. I was sick of biking at all. So I started running a bit. So I started uh, you know you do a, you do a five k, you do a ten k, then course if you live around hamilton you got to do the around the bay race which is mm-hmm. the 30k then when once you do a 30k race you're like oh well i got to do a marathon might as well so i did i did i did um mississauga marathon and in the process of doing mississauga i qualified for boston so i said oh well who knows if i'll ever be able to qualify for boston again <laughs> so then i then i was like well let's do boston marathon so i did the boston marathon it was great it was fun a lot of fun and then I came back, and I was I was still enjoying the running. And I, I think a few friends were saying, "Oh, we're doing this race, the um, the uh, the Iroquois Trail Test, which is uh, used to be the Bruce Trail Run, which is a uh, it's a 30k trail race." And I did that race, and I fell in love with running on the trails. Like mm-hmm. running on the road sucks, man. And that was so. Boston was the last real road marathon I I did, and I I started running. Um, uh, trail races. So, and then of course you run a 30k trail race. You're like, I got to run an ultra marathon because I've done a marathon and in trail races, you can do an ultra marathon. So I did 50k and then I started doing several 50ks and you get into 50 milers 
<laughs> I still have not done a 100 miler. I, I've tried a few times and I haven't completed a 100 miles. I got about 89 miles once and uh, then I thought I was going to die of hypothermia, so I pulled out, Jeez. came up to the roaring fire in the old, what was it called? The Oil Creek 100. And it was about, yeah, I, ha I probably had about, um, I, I think I had about 15 miles or so. I ended up running 80, 89 miles because I ran off course with one of the local guys for a bit. <laughs> so I ended, but I was still 15 miles from the finish, and I was, they, were, they had a roaring hot chocolate, and they had a roaring fire, and I was like, I'm not leaving. Oh, yeah. I had shorts on it, a T-shirt, and not enough clothing. Jeez. So, yeah, and then, so you do ultra marathons, and then, and then, and then I, doing my, doing my ultra marathons, I used to train with an orienteering group in Hamilton called the Golden Horseshoe Orienteers, who now are Don't Get Lost. <laughs> and through that group, I met Simon Donato. And Simon Donato, he did a few adventures. He, he, he ran this thing called Adventure Science, which dealt with uh, doing, mixing science with, with, um, with athletes and trying to, so we did a search for Steve Fawcett. We did a trail, a Bruce trail run from, from, um, yeah, we did the entire Bruce trail. We had two teams of 10 race against each other and they, they did a physiological study on the, on the, on the participants. Um, then we did the death race. It's called, uh, um, it's called, uh, the Canadian death race. And <laughs> out of that, fun. Simon shot a video. It's a long story, but. Simon shot a video called Go Death Racer, which was a 20-minute short. He got, um, he got footage shot, and then he, gave the, he kind of uh, did the first edit, and then he gave it to a friend of his, who was Josh Eady, who, um, who did the final edit on it. And um, Josh was in television at the time. Well, he, he's, an editor, he's been an editor for television for years, and Josh said, this would make a great TV show. Let's pitch it. And so Simon said, listen, uh, we're pitching a TV show, and you're – you're you're one of the characters on it, <laughs> so I said I said, oh, do you think you can get time off work and stuff? So I made sure I would get time off work, and sure enough, they pitched it. It got picked up, and uh, we were off for uh, season one, which was eight races in five months of one thousand kilometers. You sound so casual about a TV show getting pitched and picked up, but that's such a like crazy rare thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, well. You, you know what? Simon had a lot of crazy ideas. He's like, "We're going to go search for Steve Foss. I go, "Whatever. We, maybe it'll come up. Maybe it'll come to fruition. Maybe it won't." But you know, he he always comes up with these crazy ideas, and they seem to. I don't know. He's got a horseshoe right up his ass. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's deep in there. It's deep oh in there. So yeah, he's uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it came too. And uh, I'll tell you. Let me tell you a little story. We did our first episode. We actually. We aired our first episode as the uh, Fire and Ice Ultra in, the, in Iceland, but our first episode was Molokai to Wahoo. So we went down to, um, to do it. It's a, it's a, it's a stand-up paddleboard race that goes 32 miles from Molokai to Wahoo across <laughs> the Channel of Bones. So you're in 30, 30 to 35-foot swells on a stand-up paddleboard. We had, we had paddled a few times on the lake here, you know, on flat water. <laughs> yeah. And... Anyway, and we went down there, and I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever done anything with television, and like to get one minute of footage, you need 1,000 minutes of of camera time, right? Mm -hmm. So we were running, we were run ragged for for the week we were down there. We were run ragged. I came back after after the first episode, and I said, I don't know what I've got myself into. This is horrible because <laughs> it was a lot, so much work. Like I've never worked, and I've, I've this is a guy who has, has had two jobs all his life, right? I've always had two jobs on the go. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, 
it's it's like okay and yeah so then then things things went on and i and as a side note when i got to the last race after the half ironman in thailand i uh I, I, after the, after, after that one, I was, I, I came back and I called a friend of mine who was a lawyer and I got him to go over my contract. I said, you got to tell me that I'm not committed for another season of this. Cause this was horrible. Like I beat the <laughs> crap out of myself. Well, you do, you do like eight races, five months all over the world. You're, you know? Yeah. That's brutal. You know, it's, 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 it was a crazy schedule. And then, and that's why you're trying to put together a TV show at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did see it. It did come out. Eventually it came out in the, uh, in the, uh, just I guess late winter it came out um, the next year the episodes came out and I just I saw what they did with it I saw the how beautiful it looked and what amazing job they did with this show and I got feedback from Facebook Twitter all the social media of people how it inspired them to do to get off the couch to go and that was it I I was like and when they asked me to do another season they're like of course I'm going to do another season of course I do it for that I I'm you know to 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 know that I can inspire people to do something to push their limits to do you know do this thing that's what drives me Mm -hmm. you know it's not I I don't care about competition is you know I'm competitive let's you can't say I'm not competitive everybody's competitive but the part that drives me is knowing that I can you know I can I can do something for other people you know it's not for me I, you know, I, I'm, I'm all, I, I enjoy the journey, but it's more, it's more about, it's more about that, the adventure, the, you know, pushing yourself to see what your body can do, how your body reacts, the science part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. Hey everybody, Molly here, and I want to talk to you about Smart Athlete, which is Peter's coaching company. Do you have a goal or are you looking to just improve your health or do you just want to learn how to shred on a bike? Smart Athlete can help between online coaching programs with daily or weekly interactions, or even just plans to follow. Smart Athlete offers a three month, 100% made for you training plan that takes your unique schedule, physiology, and abilities into consideration rather than just throwing you into some plan that might've worked for a pro. Or if you're looking for more one-on-one time, the Smart Athlete skill sessions and clinics are available in Ontario, Canada, but also we periodically travel to locations including California, British Columbia, and Virginia, New Jersey, and East Coast in general. So requests for camps, guided sessions, and Skype consults are available over at smartathlete.ca, or you could email info at smartathlete.ca today. Definitely check it out. And now back to the show. We were going to ask as like our second question, how you got the nickname turbo, but I, I would say anyone listening for the last like 13 minutes is, it does. There is a great funny story for that. Okay. Let me <laughs> tell, tell you. Let me tell you. Okay. So we were going up to the, uh, what was it called? It was, a, it was at uh, Horseshoe Valley. It was a, they changed the name of it. It was a, it was a, uh, a trail race. It was one of the ultra series. And, um, so we were going up to do that race and, um, I was going up with a friend of mine, um, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Gorez. He was an orator and he was a fast, fast runner. And I, I, I was going up to do the 50 K. He was going up to do the 25 K. So we went and did the race. I won the 50 K. He won the 25 K. And then, um, it wasn't during that race. He, na- he, he did it, but on the drive home, because I, I used to I used to be a really, until I retired, I was a very fast driver. So I got back from Horseshoe Valley to the hammer in so fast that he says, I'm going to call you turbo for now. I've never, I've never driven with somebody who drives as fast as you. 
And he, he made me turbo after that, and that was it. So it didn't come from, yeah, it's not my stellar speed. I'm more of a turbo diesel, right? I think it's a than pretty, a, pretty a, apt nickname, hearing sort of that yeah. whole list of, oh, first I did a 5K, now I do ultra marathons, and here's how it went. <laughs> you know normal yeah. well, people would just stop at the 10K, right? <laughs> I guess, but yeah, but you got to see, you got to, you got to test yourself. You got to see what your body can do. You know, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. You know, unless you set that goal for a little bit further, a little bit more, mm -hmm. you're not, you know, you're just going to get stuck in a rut. What do you think, like, as far as limits, what do you think with the hundred miler? Like, is that still something that's in the back of your mind or, or what, <laughs> what, why is that a limit? Do you think like, other than the fact that it's a ridiculous thing to try and do, mm -hmm. but why, why? Well, for you, why do you think that that's a limit? I don't think I doubt. I don't have any doubts that I can do it. I haven't this season. The last season we did do a hundred miler again, but I was. It was like you got to pick your battles in these. Like I learned over by after season one and season two that you pick your battles, you pick your races for. You know, we're making a television show too. You want an entertaining television show, and yeah, so. But I was like, okay, I could go out and train. But training for a 100-miler takes a lot. I know what it takes because I've, done, I've, I've trained for them a number of times. And to, in, to shoot boundless, we paddle, we run, we bike, we, you know, we mm -hmm. track, we, we, you know, there's, there's two, there, we swim. And last season we, were do, we did swim races, right? So we're just, you have so much. And to fit in training for a 100-miler is tough. Right. It's super tough. You got to get a lot of miles in, and you got to beat yourself up. And I just, I, I, I know, I know I could do it. I have no doubts. I, I did a race. I did a race in Costa Rica. We did a adventure race in Costa Rica. In seven days, I slept for six hours, and it was some of the worst stuff you've ever done in your life. You like the only thing I enjoyed was the mountain trek. The mountain biking was like, okay, this is a good trekking section. Let's send them in on their mountain bikes. You know, oh, they're gonna they're gonna go on a they're you're gonna go on a a blow up inflatable kayak across lakes because it's it's tougher, right? And we're gonna send you in mangroves to find uh, control points for your adventure race. It was like one of the worst things I've ever done. That'll be that'll be tops probably as the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And I I figure if you can do that, if I can do that, I can do anything. Yeah. So sure. it was It's not like a. And maybe one day I will feel feel like oh. I want to do a hundred miler, but I don't know. It's, it's an odd trade. If you and I really think that's, want though, that's what the show, like even our consummate athlete idea is, you know, I've been, I, I would say fairly elite at mountain biking, but I also admit that, that, you know, it turns you into like, I look like a mountain biker, I think, um, you know, I look yeah. like a cyclist, but that limits you, right? Like you can't do other things quite as, as adventuresome, right? Like I can run decently and I can do strength training, but like in the gym, I can't lift as much. If we go and play team sports stuff, like I'm much less coordinated than a younger version of myself because of that eliteness. So I wonder if, is that like almost what you're saying in that you could do a hundred miler if you trained like an to elite, uh, an, an elite yeah, exactly. ultimately if it's an elite thing to do. Peter, if you want to be a baseball player, you just got to go and train with a baseball team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could be one. You know, you got the, you have the, you have that athletic ability. You have the ability in you to be an athlete. It's just how you got to train for it, right? You got to train for it. Sure. I'm, I'm certain you can, you know, there's, there's, especially at the elite level where you're an elite athlete, like I, I believe that you can train your body to do other, maybe not to the elite level, but to a high stand, a higher level for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm wondering 
So on that same thought, then I was uh, going through a few of the episodes, and the one uh, you know we're gonna we're pushing ourselves to do an Ironman this year, which is a little crazy considering I'm a mountain biker and he's never done a triathlon. Um, so we're training for that. Um, and what I wonder is, you know, you mentioned in that Ironman episode you weren't on your bike for maybe months beforehand because I think you were filming, and that was one of the last races, if not the last race of that season. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I'm wondering, like, maybe that gets to the mindset part of it. But to me, that's in, in some ways impressive, assuming there was no long term damage that you completed a half Ironman, you know, with very irregular training. I mean, you were training and you were a fit person. You were running, obviously, a bunch and the other stuff, but, you know, not a traditional half Ironman plan. And exactly. And no swimming, really. Not much swimming. Yeah. It's, um, and I'll tell you another thing. I did another race. We 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 did the um. There's one in uh, California, the Furnace Creek 500. Have you heard of that one? Yep, yep. The Furnace Creek 500. I did on. I had about four rides, and in the month month or at least a month and a half coming into it, nothing was more than like I did probably one two hour ride, and the rest were one hour rides. I did no absolutely no riding, and then we well I attempted. They, they, it was supposed to be a 500, and that year the parks were closed, so we ended up doing. They, Simon wanted. Oh, let's. Simon likes to be the hero, so he wanted to do two three fifties because they had they ch- changed it to three fifty, and we were supposed to relay the five hundred, which I thought that'd be great. You get some rest, you ride two hundred fifty miles. That's good. Sure. But three hundred fifty miles was way out of you know. But I did end up doing two hundred seventy miles in that, and that's all no like no no riding. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's. A, I'm telling you, the body, the body. I've learned over the years, the body is just an amazing thing that is. The adaptability of the human body is incredible. It just, you know, you just, it, it, it responds. Like you throw stuff at it and it, it responds to it. It'll, it'll, you know, you starve the body and it'll, it'll start eat, it'll feed on itself, right? It's, it's, it's incredible what it does. And that's, that's why, that's why, like, my body's just used to, like, from doing the seasons of it, my body was used to getting abused. So it doesn't matter whether you're a mountain biker or a runner. Your body's used to being abused mountain biking. So if you go to do run a marathon and go to, to marathon, your body's going to be used to being not maybe not the same pounding on the legs, but it's the same. It's the same stuff. You're 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 working your body, right? Yeah, sort of the mental anguish, right? Like you're you're suffering, and it's the ability. You know, you've been there before. The you know, yeah, you just keep running. Just keep your nerves yeah. know how to respond to and it. I found over the years, like the last the last few few years anyway that the cross training is incredible like you any bit of cross training you're going to do it's going to help that other like you're a mountain biker but i i tell i i tell and i know i know some guys running training for 100 milers and stuff i say make sure you get out do some cross make sure you do some strength training strength training is like i would i wouldn't i wouldn't get rid of i would rather miss a run and get a strength workout in than you know Mm-hmm. Then get an extra run in a week because the strength is what holds you together in the endurance. The strength is the core, it's the body that holds you together for that other stuff. Yeah. You so know, on that, that stuff when you get tired later on. Yeah. So on that, is there anything like strength training that you've done consistently throughout the seasons as sort of like a general like base training almost? Like anything that stays in the schedule regardless of the ridiculous adventure? Yeah, I've I have I yeah I've always had a core. I've always had a couple core workouts a week where you just do like different, mostly body weight stuff. You know, recently I got myself a set of um, a set of uh, those ropes because I like those. They're fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to try them out. 
So I got those, uh, the, you know, the, what are they called? Like the, um, suspension straps, like a rope. TRX or something? Or no, like no, 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 heavy it's a rope. battle it's a rope. Oh, rope. like big, a battle yeah, rope. Yeah, battle rope. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah. Now, you, you don't travel with those. those that's at your house. No, you can't travel. Are you kidding me? You need a bag just for them. They just sit my, they sit my shit. You could be anyway, a dedicated yeah, no, battle rope. I do the core. I do the core, but I also find that I do a lot of uh, stand-up paddleboard, too, because it's a total body workout, you know. I rock climb because it's a total body workout. You know, it's better to get your core in when you're doing something fun, you know what I mean, than to sit and just do the same exercises. So, you know, if you can get, you know, get out. I got an uh, outrigger canoe I picked up a few years back. I did an outrigger canoe in a race, and I loved it. And so I got one of those. So, I, you know, I, I paddle, I, I rock climb, I, you know, I swim. You get it's it's all complementary to each other, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's that's like perfect. Like we can use that pretty much as the consummate athlete. Yeah, there's thing. our new promo right there. Because that was really what I found, especially you know, almost on the flip side, as an elite athlete with cycling, I find it actually gets it's very hard to push yourself and keep making those gains, right? And so. For me, I found that starting to do like uphill running intervals, like I could go cross-eyed and fall over, whereas on my mountain bike, like it has to be the best day of, you know, the month for me to push myself that hard. So I was getting, and then I'd come back, right? And like heart and lungs get challenged so much by that, that, you know, boom, fitness goes up again on the bike. Um, on your bike exactly and that's it and and yeah i i know um ruby west you must know ruby west oh yeah she's great young kid she's she's phenomenal phenomenal young kid anyway i i i've been bugging her to get i she started doing some core with me last year and i was like do this this is this is going to be that 10 percent you need this is that 10 percent extra you know because elite athletes they they train and train and train but to get them to talk them to move them towards towards um to doing core, it's so hard. They don't, they just, you know, they'd rather get another bike ride in. I'm like, yeah. do your core. Especially your when core. you're younger too. It's not, not as Yeah, fun. exactly. Because that's what's going to hold you together. It's going to hold your body together. Because yeah. you're beating yourself up all the time. Is there something that you find yourself in those moments, you know, you're at mile 200 of a 300 mile run, you know, that you're in that, what you might call the valley of death. Is there like how do you get through those moments? You know, I saw some during the Iron Man episode and stuff too. You're you were feeling horrible. Your gut was sort of crummy and stuff. How do you keep going? Is there anything? Is there a secret? You just keep going. That's the key. Is you keep the feet moving. You keep the you know you know think happy thoughts. You know you're always that's the thing with ultra. I learned that when I was an ultra runner when I was doing lots of ultra races is you're always going to come down. You always have those moments. They're constant. It's not like, it's not like you have one during a race. It's like you have many during a race. So what you got to do is just speak, is just talk yourself through them, get yourself through them, you know, think of something good because you know, around the next corner, you're going to feel good again. And when you feel good, you feel great. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you get those endorphins, those pain, the really good endorphins are the ones that are the opiates. When the opiates start going off in your, I I can, I can totally understand why, all these old school like Sherlock Holmes types would go to opium dens because when those are going <laughs> off, when you when you've hit yourself, when you've taken yourself right to the limit, and those little bombs go off in your brain, it's like it's incredible. It's like these are you know that's and you're you're gonna get those, and that's what you get when you get to these low low moments in a race. Coming out of that, you're gonna have one of these high high moments, and you know it's so good, it's worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost like an addiction to that. And it is. It's sort so of I that think, confidence, right, that you just, if you keep going, it'll get better, right? And whether that's you crest the exactly. hill and you're at the top of the mountain and then it's all downhill or, 
you know, exactly. the sun and comes out. And then when you whatever. cross that finish line, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it takes your breath away. It's like, I don't know how many times I've just been totally overcome with emotion at the end of a race because I've just, I've done it. I got to that point, right? I pushed through all those little moments and I got to that final point. Yeah, and for sure. That's, yeah, that's that's like the end all and be all. That's like, yeah, I've I've got it. I've, yeah, I succeeded. So you know, for the who record, cares if I'm the last? Who cares if I'm the last person in? I did it. Yeah, I pushed. I did it. Right. So people should do five Ks, not opium dens. That's where we're at right <laughs> that's now. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> You'll get the same stuff. It's it is exactly the same thing. And way natural, cheaper. Just natural opium. I don't know. Some stuff's expensive. Way cheaper. <laughs> um. So as far as risk, you know, you're talking about adventure, there's always the, the element of risk, you know, and, and it is an addiction. So we're always searching for a bigger and bigger adventure and further and further out and further and further exposed. What, uh, if you, if you think back through, I think all your adventures it doesn't have to be just on the TV show, but what, like, what is the most exposed, like dire situation you've been in? Um, I'd say I, back in 1994, I was climbing Elbrus in Russia. I got together with a I had a friend and we were rock climbers back then and he had a, and he had a, we had a chance to go with this group from Britain to go climb, um, Elbrus, which is, it's the highest peak in, um, it's the highest peak in Europe because the, it's not the highest peak in Russia, but it's the highest peak in Europe because it's, uh, I don't know. There's some, cause I guess part of the, uh, the Urals are in Asia. Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah. we, we got a chance to climb this and, um, and we did a couple of really cool, um, um, smaller stuff working our way, getting acclimatized and stuff. And there was actually four of us that went out in this great one where you had to cross crevasses and, and you know, you're crossing the crevasse and you feel the whole earth move. And it was just an incredible experience. But on the, the day before we were going to summit on Elbrus, the night before I was just having, I was having uh, like lung. My, I, I think I might've got a bit of a lung infection or it could have been altitude. And so I, Basically, when I was going to bed that night, I, I was having a lot of trouble breathing, and, and basically, I didn't think I was going to wake up. I thought that was it. I never told anybody. I never did anything about it, but it was, <laughs> I just thought, I, at that moment, I thought, okay, this could be it, because I'm not, like, I'm at altitude. There's no way I can get down now. I'm, I'm stuck here, and, and, and it, I, I'm just having trouble. You know, it's getting worse and worse, and as I went to sleep, I, but as it turned out, I slept the night. I woke up, and I was fine. The next day, we went and summited it. And I had the worst pounding headache I've ever had in my life at the top of that. Because uh, you just get, the pressure builds so high when you're at those altitudes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember just cruising down after that, just running down. Because <laughs> every step you took, it felt a little better, right? So you just, I would just bound and roll and do everything to get down that hill afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that would probably been the worst. Yeah, that was probably one of the, one of the worst. Hey everybody, we're going to take a quick pause from this podcast to talk to you a little bit about Health IQ. So Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, and other health conscious people. So what's cool is that they've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for those of us that are health conscious, including people who exercise four times a week, whether that's cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, etc. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart disease risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. I'd high-five you, but that sound doesn't come out very well with the microphone, so air five. 
Um, the other really cool thing about Health IQ is that they've actually replaced BMI with a waist to hip ratio, which is a far better predictor of cardiovascular disease uh, when it comes to those of us with the slightly more muscular builds, I'll say. So, yeah, I mean, also just on the one-on-one basis, BMI is good on population basis. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. But if you've ever been told you were built like a brick house, right. Right. Uh, this is especially good for you. <laughs> so many people don't realize that they can get these uh, special rates with Health IQ or just generally on their, their life insurance. So if you qualify through the Health IQ quizzes, which you can find on their website, you also get additional savings by submitting actual data, such as race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or other app data. I love that, by the way. Finally, Strava has become useful for something. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good we're collecting all this data for something. Yeah, pretty exciting. Anyhow, learn more and get a quote on life insurance at healthiq.com slash CAPod. Again, that's healthiq.com slash CAPOD. And just by getting a quote, you're helping out the podcast and helping us get better audio and, and hopefully helping yourself get some lower rates and, you know, maybe learn something on some of these fun quizzes. All right, let's get back to the show. Is there something that you, maybe through the show, that you guys do, you know, to, to armor yourself or, you know, a protocol or a, even a mindset when you're in those sort of, you know, things start going sideways, you know, someone's in the water on a paddleboard. Literally or... sideways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you crashed. Bad. I saw I, some yeah. bloody mountain biking and stuff too, like. You know, when the situation gets to that, is there, how do you handle that? You know, I, yeah, in South Africa too, I had a lot of trouble because I, I think that spurred on a lot of my water issues was I, we were, we did a, a kayak race down, down the uh, fish river, which is an incredibly tough, um, um, kayak race. And, uh, and we had trouble even getting across the lake cause they gave us this really fast kayak and Simon. Simon, I guess, had been in, I've n- I'd never been in really a kayak before. This was my first experience in a kayak. And it was a very fast kayak. And, and of course, you got to, if you're in the back of one of those with someone who's not experienced, you got to know what you're doing, right? So then Simon wasn't as uh, that well versed at it at the time. And, um, yeah, and uh, we, we fell going across the lake. And then we, then we got, we put in it this next part right in the river, which is like some of these, you're going down class three, some of the, or most of them you go, went around, but you go under over, over weirs and all. it was a crazy race. But anyway, we just got battered. And I was, at one point I was getting pushed under a, like a reef and like how the water digs out the inside. So you're just getting pushed under. And I, I kind of let go of the, I had the paddles at the, at the time I let go of the paddle and I was just like, this, this is it. I got to, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's now or it's now or never. I got to, you know, Mm-hmm. You got to survive. So, but the the body, you're like like the body's. I mean, you sur- your survival kicks in, right? This is what we're built to survive. We're basically we're humans. We're we're built. We've we've evolved to survive. We've you know. So we're we're built for this. It's just you know, you just once you realize that you don't really you don't share those as much. And I think getting older, you I, I like I'm I'm over fifty now, and I think as you get older, you you, you take less risks. You get, you you think things out a little more. You know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, so with that in mind, it's like now that you're uh, you're in this retirement phase, have you shifted yeah. your approach to all of the adventure stuff? Like, are you focusing more on wellness versus adventure, or where are you at? 
Well, I, yeah, I think I am. I am. I am focusing a lot on wellness. I've had I've had dietary issues for a long time, and I'm trying to solve those. And I'm, I think I'm getting close. Um, I've I've also you know I got a I got a bunch of adventures I want to I want to do. I, put, I I got a bucket list that I'm I'm working on one. I, I was I'm actually looking for a million dollars so I can shoot another TV show. Uh, if anybody out there has a million dollars, I want to shoot another one called Bucket List. If anyone has, I go around and do my bucket list. <laughs> if anyone has two million, kind of we'll also take a million of that. Um. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I do. Yeah, I do have a. I have a bucket list of things I want to do, but I want to do them. I don't want to race them. I don't. I want to enjoy them more. I've always been racing through life, you know, and racing through. And I think now that I'm I'm older, I I want to I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the journey more. I want to enjoy the you know the time. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go up Mount Logan. That's on my list. I want to ski up and ski down that. I want to do the Great Divide ride. That looks like a a heck of a journey, right? Have you ever? I do. You guys I, know I'm, about that one, I'm right? Aware of it go for from sure. uh, yeah. Uh, go from Banff to Mexico on the Great Divide. Uh, you know, it's a big. I've adventure. also I also want to do a big wall climb one day. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, I thought about it. And originally, I wanted to do it in the U.S. down in um, down in the Yosemite. But now mm-hmm. I'm thinking more Baffin Island because I don't want to go in the states right now. There's terrible people down there. That's, that's <laughs> a fair the place. point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair things. enough. I'm I'm right there with you. That's why we're in Ontario. I've also, I also want to build a school. I want to build a school in. The, in a third world country, I do. A, I run a charity run every year called the Toilet Run. I don't know if you've come across that in in your research of me. I, I started I a, actually, a charity yeah. run. Um, I went to Kenya a number of years back with um, Reed Coolsat. I was shooting a documentary on Reed Coolsat called Road to London. That was on his uh, his year before he went to the London Olympics. And I just wanted, basically, wanted to. Um, I wanted to learn what it's what it, what what. I wanted to know what an Olympian went through to train for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to, I, I, you know, I, he, was, he was a guy in the neighborhood, so I thought, no. I, and I also wanted to shoot a documentary. That was one of my bucket list of things to do, shoot a documentary. So I put the two together, and I followed Reed around for a year. I went to Kenya with him, and I did, you know, I went on a few other trips with him, uh, local, uh, more in the States and stuff, and Sedona and our Flagstaff and stuff. And, but I also... Um, when I was in Kenya, I just fell in love with the kids there. They're just, they have, they have they, people, they live in like huts, tin huts. They have nothing. They have, don't have toys. They have little sticks with a wheel on it that they put together. That's their toys. They, but they're so happy and so smiling and so glad to see you. You know, and I, I was like, I got to do something for these kids. And so I started a, a, a charity run called the Kids for Kenya Toilet Run. Basically, it's a local race we do in, it's a park here in uh, Hamilton called Churchill Park. And I, I put together, a, I put it up to a bunch of schools and uh, I think we almost had 300 kids last year but we, that's our fifth year and uh, and basically what the, the funds that we raise from this go to build latrines in Kenya so I, I did that and so I'm, you know and here we go on aging again and this is what I want to do is give back a bit more I feel so good because after that race you know it's a little bit of work getting it ready to go every the end of every September but the feeling you get when you're done is almost like that feeling you get when you finish it or cross a finish line, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you're, you're, you're helping the community here by doing a nice community event that brings everybody together. But you're also with that money, you're, you know, it's going to, to Kenya to build a latrine at a school to keep a school open, you know, so kids can have an education. That's awesome. So, so that race I, is at the end I of September. 
every end of September every year. Yeah, it's in uh, yeah in, in the Hammer here in Churchill Park, and yeah, it's a uh, yeah great event. I have a I have, I have a few people on board who have been on board for years who um who help us out, and it's a it's a great little thing we got going. Very cool. I love, I think there's like a couple types of people in the world and there's the people that don't have a bucket list. There's the people that have a bucket list and like once it's kind of like all checked off, it's like, okay, that's, that's it. Sounds like you have a bucket list that just kind of keeps growing as you check things off of it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's so many things, there's so much out there and just, I don't know, it just, you just, and you want to, I don't know. (laughs) I've seen so much, but it's been such a, like, it's such a flash. So going to, like, I don't know how many countries. I think I've been to 27 different races, so I don't know how many different countries, but some of them were in the States, but the majority were in crazy remote areas like Greenland, Iceland, um, you know, uh, the uh, Egypt, uh, Thailand, Cambodia. You know, I've been all these places, so, but it was such a flash and you're so busy when you're there that you never get to see it. So I've, I've just put my list together of places I'm going to go later, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, my, my wife and I, when she, she retires in another six years, she let me go early. So, and then we'll, we, you know, first, first thing first though, we're going to get the van and do a little van trip to get us mm-hmm. used to being with each other that much, you know, in a small space. Then I figure we're going to, then we'll, we'll, we'll save up and do a bunch of the, uh, the other trips around the world. I love that. So we talked about the craziest trips, but what was the most fun race or fun episode no, my, to film? I guess. One of um, yeah, I'd say funnest the funnest race uh, would would have been. I, I did I did there's there's one up in Wyerton, and we just threw it in because we were looking for something in the middle of it. It's called the uh, Bruce Peninsula Multi Sport Race. And it's basically a team race and you, or you can do it solo as well, but you, you kayak or canoe, uh, you paddle, you paddle 16 kilometers, then you get off and you do a mountain bike. Um, then you get, then you go and do a run and then you go do another mountain bike and then you go and do another run. And (laughs) I believe it's a hundred, hundred K it's a hundred K. So it's, it's totally attainable. They have shorter versions of it. Um, but it's, it's just, a beautiful place. I don't know if you've been up to where or around Martin Lines at that area up there. Peter it's has. It's incredible. Like the sights, the sights are incredible. The, you, you know, you're riding in some of the mountain bike. It's pretty, pretty, pretty gnarly. Like riding right along uh, top of right along the edge of a escarpment with, uh, you know, craters everywhere. And it's, it's, it's a heck of a mountain bike as well as ever, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I just had a hoot in that race and uh, you know, there was, it was a uh, it, it was fun and that was the race where I did it I I had first been in an outrigger canoe you know you know an outrigger canoe it's a canoe it's kind of got yeah, kind of like sure. a kayak it's only it's about twenty one feet long but only about you know twenty inches wide okay yeah. not even probably but it's got an ohm which is a uh, an outrigger Comes which sticks in the water so they're Polynesian basically they're made for big water so you can be out in big waves and stuff and and still because you, you're as wide as your ohm right. Or your outrigger, so it makes it a mm-hmm. little. But it's super. It was super fast and super fun, and so yeah. And I just, I just had a hoot in that race, and you know, it was kind of nice too because it was fun because it was close. We rented a a cabin. We all the crew and everybody else stayed there, so it was kind of you know nice close quarters and and just had fun. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, the best episodes were the two I did one in France last this season, season three. I uh, we did France and Scotland back to back, 
which was a mountain bike race in Scotland. I don't know if you if you like gnarly mountain bike races. The um, Mont Blanc culture of Elo. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I tell you, those the, the, uh, French mountain bikers aren't afraid of anything. I don't think. No, no. Like I, I saw some of the gnarliest downhills I've ever seen in my life, and uh, like these were like you're going almost straight down on, and there's huge roots and rocks and everything. Eh? They put the, whenever they put the warning steep, I got off my bike because <laughs> I knew it was one of those. But these guys would ride down these. Yeah. Anyway, but um, during those two episodes, my two uh, my two my two kids came along, uh, Matt and Luca, and we and they were there for those two races, and I got to spend some time with them. And it was kind of nice because the crew kind of let us do our own thing most of the time, and we just got to enjoy. It. We got to go up Mont Blanc and got to you know just got to hang out and just to have them on the race because they're never at the race courses really, mm-hmm. you know. It's too hard to get around on them. Basically, the stuff I do, okay, like my wife would say, I, I, I'd say, I always say, no, thank you, come on, you'll maybe see me four times or maybe twice during the whole, <laughs> during the, during the whole uh, 30 hours or whatever it is. You know, so, so it's like they've never come out to races, so it was kind of nice because they got tripped around and they got the jury on, and yeah, and we had, yeah, it was great time. Now a quick word from one of our sponsors. Do you love reading about the outdoors? Ever wonder about what gear you should clean more often or ways to fit that pesky core workout into your week? These topics are exactly what the Outdoor Edit deals with every day. Functional and practical articles to get you moving more however you want to move. Follow the Outdoor Edit over at theoutdooredit.com and subscribe to their newsletter for a free ebook on the art of active travel. Now, back to the show. So I'm going to take you back to the triathlon. I mentioned we're doing Ironman. So I'm wondering, out of your sort of, you did something that was pretty crazy. You were fairly fatigued at the end of a big, we'll call it block of races. Um, You know, going into that half Ironman, if, you know, I said tomorrow, Paul, we're going to do another, you know, we're going to do a full Ironman or we're going to do another half Ironman. What would you do differently if you had sort of a day to prepare for that? If I had a day to prepare for it, um, I would rest. (laughs) <laughs> but if I had more than a day, yeah, I would just, um, like I said, you gotta, you, you, I do, I do, I, I did a lot of, um, I call them triathlon days when I was training. Mm-hmm. And basically what I would do is in the morning I'd get up and I'd go, I'd go out for a bike. I'd do a, a nice long bike. We had a great group in town. Would do, our road bikers and I would just hook up with them and they would push me hard. So we'd do a good, you know, 30 something K ride in the morning. Then I then I go home and I was always working when I did the show. I always had a job full time. So when I was home, I was working. When I flew in the next day, I would go to work. You know, I was I always had a I always had a job I had to keep. Right, I used my holiday time first, and then I'd use leave days for the rest of it. So basically, I had to work. So at, then at lunchtime, I always went at lunch. I'd go for a swim. So I'd hit the pool at lunch. I do a I do an hour in the pool, and then I would and then I'd come home and usually at at night at that night I would do a run, so I do an hour. So I do a three three hours of work that day, but it would I call it my triathlon day. I used to do that every Tuesday and Thursday. So I, I added these big in because then you get basically what you want to do when you're doing longer races like Ironman, like ultra marathons, is you want to get your body used to doing what it does, tired. So mm-hmm. you want to get if you're doing ultra marathons, you want to get your body used to running tired. So does that mean we're going out running eighty miles? No, because once you get to a certain point, like I think it's, I believe it's 50 K in a running in running, you start breaking down your endocrine, which is your system that holds everything together. Right. You don't want to break that down. So 
basically you you don't want to push that hard, but you want to. How do you work your body tired? Then is you run maybe you run three back to back runs, right? Mm-hmm. One day, next day, or on on weekends, I used to do when I was doing a lot of ultra training. Is I'd run a, I do a long a long run on the Saturday and then a long run on the Sunday because on the Sunday I know my my body's going to be tired, my legs are going to be tired, and I'm going to run on it. Because that's what's going to happen when you get to the end of a long endurance race is you're going to be working tired. Gotcha. So, awesome. so what I say is, yeah, get your body used to working tired. You know, if you got the time to go out and, and you know and just do it, do a trial. Maybe do it even if you do a back to back one, that's three hours. Right. Know? Right. Do those three workouts right in a row if you can, or I guess you call that you wouldn't call that a uh, what do they call those a, like a brick back to back a brick. What is what if it's three? Is that still called a brick? Uh, I think there's actually a name for that, and I can't recall what it is. But... Cinder block. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we call it a cinder. We call it a cinder block. So, on the note of breaking down, uh, you mentioned in a few places I saw as I was sort of doing research on you. And Twitter stuff, stalking, is, whatever. Um, small things that sort of keep the body happy, um, and you say so that it can go on forever. In one of the episodes, actually. Um, what are those things that you, as far as maintenance, you know, cause there's a lot of people that go and try and do extreme things and their feet fall apart on them or, you know, something goes, um, what were things as far as recovery methods or, you know, you talked about core, which, you know, we'll let that stand as one of those key things, but is there anything else as far as little recovery things that you do that you think were helpful in surviving that, those eight races or the three seasons? I think eating well, doing, you know, it's just, <clears throat> taking care of yourself, taking, you take care of your health, you know, and, and recovery. You got to recover because basically you got to recover from these. And, and when you're doing races that close, once you got, we got into the race season, it would be basically race, race. What did, what did I say? It was, it would be race, recover, cram. And then I would cram for the next race. Cause mm-hmm. it, it was always something different. So, so, but recovery is just, very that's that's got you got you got to you got to recover you got to let your body rest right cuz yeah. it's not going to it's not going to do it otherwise you know and there's a lot of people out there who just I know I know cyclists who just push 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 so hard and where when are you recovering you're doing 6 days of work every week and every time you get on the bike you're pushing your hardest you know you got to have time to recover you got to time you know take take 2 days off and do something different you know mhm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And when you say cram, I assume you mean like that's when you're starting to do like the specific thing that's going to get yes. you through the next race, whatever skill that might be. Yeah, well, that's what it was like. Yeah, because you don't know what, whatever it was. It was. And you know that half marathon? We did the uh, Cambodia race the week before, which was like a marathon a day for a week in Cambodia. Cool. Which is, uh, like That's like running in a, a sauna for, for a week. I'm telling you, it was like worst. And I came back and then we went and did a little rock climbing in Phuket. Um, not in Phuket, in um, Rally, Rally Beach, which is an incredible place in Thailand. Um, you can climb right over the water there, right? And just boulder oh, cool. and stuff. And then and very, and just stunning. But I did, I ate a salad there and I got a, I got a bacteria. Oh, so three days leading up, the, the only day I finally ate the last day before the race, because I, had, I hadn't been able to eat for three days. I was like just it was coming out both sides, right? Ah. <laughs> it was like the worst. It was the worst. I just, they thought I was dead. I just locked myself in my room. We had this beautiful place there, too. They gave us, like, the, the, it was, I think it was run by Iron Man or something. And they gave us this beautiful villa in the village right close to the race start. It was just amazing with a pool. And where was I? I was in the bed just lying, just sick as a dog. Oh, and then, brutal. yeah, finally I got a little rice in the morning before the, 
the the race and then i i got a little bit in that day and then but thankfully my body was used to um the abuse so it uh it got me through nice got me through it all right um a couple easy questions to finish up um as far as books that have influenced you i always like to know sort of if i want to you know sort of follow a path or see you know critical moments is there a book or or or... we've got the tony robbins one. we already got the Tony. well i did talk about that and it did you know it did kind of you know it's not like it just gave me ideas and totally. it's not like, like a, I mean, it's just, it just, you need something to spur your, yourself on it. And I'll tell you another thing I read is the, um, is, um, pieces every step. I usually read that every now and then it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Taoist teaching. It's called pieces every step. And I have to, I read that every now and then just to ground myself into, and it, you know, if I get too way out there and I need to, to slow myself down and just start, looking at the little things in life that's it i think i'm 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 not religious i'm i guess i'm i'm an atheist but i think i'm i'm closer to a taoist than anything mm-hmm. you know Buddhists Buddhist spend too much time on themselves. I don't want that much time. <laughs> I don't want to spend that much time by myself. Yep. The taoist is kind of more thinking about things that, you know, thinking about the world. Yeah. And then So yeah, that, otherwise i don't read i read blogs and i read i i, I Sweat science. I love sweat science. You guys know sweat science. Yeah, yeah. He's, he does a great. He does some great stuff. Mm-hmm. He does some great stuff. And I, yeah, I do. I, I love science, and I love yeah. Right now, I'm into. Uh, right now, I'm on pre, not probiotics. Prebiotics. You guys oh, know yeah. prebiotics. Yeah, I've been really interested in that. So I assume that yeah, means I you're got, on probiotics as well, though. No, you probiotics basically get rid of the bad, bad stuff, right? Where oh, okay. prebiotics so feed doing. the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So you want to feed your good flora. So I've been on, yeah, there's a, there's all kinds of them out there, and they're mostly raw, and I usually just grind them up and put them, and put them down, even though they don't taste great. But, yeah, I just do those, and, I, and they've been helping. Because, I, I, yeah, I've, I've had trouble with lectins, which I was off. I had a bit of colitis. I had the, the last six months I've had a rough spell with uh, my guts and stuff, and so I think I've finally figured out what I'm what I'm doing and that I'm building up my gut flora some more. That's really interesting. I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of a biohacker, I guess. Mm-hmm. I practice nutrition, nutrition science on myself. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> tough with the travel and the yeah. endurance stuff. It's yeah. definitely, I think a lot of times. And let me tell you, well, let me tell you one more thing I did with, with the science. I did, I did keto training in my first season three and I found it worked out, it worked really well for me. Not that I tell everybody, I, I say, do what works for you because it doesn't, uh, no, nothing works for everybody the same, right? Everything's different. You got to find out what works for your body. But for the races I was doing, the keto training of, um, of, I would just, I would work out fast. So when I did, I told you my triathlon days where I did, uh, I do a workout in the morning, workout at lunch, and then I'd, I do a workout in the evening. I wouldn't eat my first meal until after my second workout of the day. Ooh. Yeah, so see, that would be bullet, bad news for me. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Um, so what happens after a while, though, with 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 me, it worked out. Is you you notice this? You notice when the body's running out of the uh, glycogen from the night before, because then it, then it would switch over to the uh, to the fat, and then would start burning the fat. And once you got that burning, you could go all day on that. I did races. I did uh, eight hour races, and I take in fifteen hundred calories. You know, I would just drink the calories, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. But yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I would go out with these guys who they they did some pretty fast hundred k's, and I would, I would have a, I would basically have a bulletproof coffee in the morning because I, I love my coffee. And who doesn't? Then, 
Then I would go on a 100K ride, and these guys weren't messing around. They would usually go about, I would hang on the back, and they would usually go about 240 for 100. And then I wouldn't, I still wouldn't, I, I'd have one, a bottle of electrolytes halfway through, and basically do finish that ride, and, and then I'd just hold off as long as I could after that, you know, and even hold off, hold off, hold off. And those were my big training days. Usually on a Sunday, I'd, I'd train really hard for the, the fat. But it, I'm telling you, it worked for me. Yeah, there's certainly a balance there for sure that uh, I think we're still evolving, but there's certainly, you know, there's all those sort of, I always say the old school way was sort of, you know, you didn't overfuel and, you know, in training you did it that way. And then, you know, you sort of prepared for the race as, as you needed. But in the games you guys were playing with the frequent sort of super distance stuff, so it's certainly part of it. Um, yeah, because you're not going as fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're more, as you say, you're like you're not necessarily looking to win it. You, you're looking to survive, and you know the gut is just going to be under so much stress. So I think in, in those situations, it probably does start making more sense. Um, the last question: recommended consummate athlete. Is there yeah. anyone else that comes to mind? You know, through our discussions, you know, the most you know well-rounded or, or well-versed someone, or, or even just someone who's really good with a certain topic, even would be awesome. You know, we we've had people who are you know, good at teaching rock climbing or, or something like that. Is there anyone that comes to mind? Wow. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Tonopolsky, Mark Tonopolsky, you know him? You're a kinesiologist. He's a, he's he, a strange dude. He's been a friend of mine for a lot of years. He's, he's the guy at Mark Master? He, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's, but he's done a lot of stuff. He does a lot of skiing, a lot of this, a lot of that. But he's he definitely has his own ideas. Simon Donato, of course, he's he's similar to me. He's basically uh, basically does. He was he was the other guy on the show. He was he was you know he was he started out adventure racing and he does a lot. He does a really cool thing called adventure science. I don't know if you want to look up into that. It's he's still going on with that and it's putting more athletes into research situations and stuff and um, and that way and 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 some cool stuff of that. Um, who else? <laughs> I think those are two pretty want. good ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're pretty much at an hour here, Paul. I appreciate your time okay, today. Good. Some yeah. really good takeaways there no, as far as preparing. Hopefully I, think... I didn't talk too much. I didn't no. know you guys talk too much. No, no that was it's, not, it's not about us. We're learning from you. So no, it was perfect. Um, again, I appreciate that, and good luck with your bucket list and your next adventures. And, yeah. and we'll have to get ready. We'll have to get together for a ride, like hook it up yeah, with Andy or something, sure. go for a ride or something. Because yeah. I, I'm I'm retired now. I got lots of time. I just went to Turkey Point this this week. Awesome. Have I you saw, been to Turkey Point? I have a few clients that ride at Turkey Point all the time, so I'm familiar. Oh my with God, it. I was amazed. Yeah, it's. Pretty I, did, I was an hour. Ride. I was out an hour, and we did 10k, yes. and it was like just so twisting and turning, and just yeah. like um Christie Conservation Area on steroids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty good there. So yeah, if you're up in Collingwood, definitely drop a line. We'd love to do a consummate athlete day with you. Yeah. We'll be down in Hamilton some of these days. We got to visit Mandy more now that we saw her again at P to A. We're all about coming back down there. So yeah, Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch, but we'll let you get back to your day. Thank you so much. It was great having you on. Okay. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Great talking to you guys. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. 
If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.